Well, hello there, Stanton Evangelical Free Church. Uh, we are going to be in uh, the book of 2 Timothy, chapter 1. I would encourage you then to open up your Bibles, get your Bibles out, and turn to 2 Timothy, chapter 1. Uh, for all you mothers uh, out there tuning in, uh, happy Mother's Day. Uh, may the Lord bless you on this Mother's Day. So we are in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 3 through 7. This is God's word. I thank God whom I serve, as did my ancestors, with a clear conscience, as I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. As I remember your tears, I long to see you that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now, I am sure, dwells in you as well. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands, for God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Our Father, as we um, have heard your word from 2 Timothy, and now as we seek to meditate on it and uh, receive from you uh, the truth that is contained therein, we ask, Father, for your help, that you would give us your spirit to understand your word, and Father, that you would do the work that's necessary in each of our hearts to allow us to see the glory revealed here, the truth that is here, that we can apply it to our lives, that we can recognize the reality of things in this world, that there is a God, and that there is such a thing as salvation from our sin, and that there also is eternal life, only found through faith in Christ the Lord. We pray this, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, on uh, November the 3rd, 1918, the churches of Washington, D.C. were able to meet again after not being allowed together for over a month. They were kept from meeting because of a similar situation to the coronavirus pandemic. They were, at that time, dealing with what was known as the Spanish flu. On that first Sunday back, the pastor of the 15th Street Presbyterian Church, Francis Grimke, he said this to his congregation. The fact that for several weeks we have been shut out from the privileges of the sanctuary has brought home to us as never before what the church has really meant to us. We hadn't thought, perhaps, very much of the privilege while it lasted, but the moment it was taken away, we saw at once how much it meant to us. I think we all probably have a similar feeling today as well for the church and I want to uh, publicly thank Governor Pete Ricketts for uh, agreeing with, with so many believers and church leaders 
that gathering for worship together as a church body is much more essential for us than some have realized. And I thank him that he relaxed the guidelines throughout the state so that churches can feel free to gather together again to hear the word of God preached and to encourage one another in the faith. I'd planned a, a few weeks ago to preach this text from 2 Timothy on Mother's Day because of the obvious connection the verses have to the great influence a Christian mother can have on her children. At that time, I, I had no idea we'd actually be able to have a worship service uh, gathering here again. And, and, and this week, as I studied and meditated on these verses from God's Word, I saw that the passage wasn't just about a mother's godly influence, but it was more about how believers seek to encourage other believers, which is very fitting for us today. So for this passage, again, 2 Timothy 1, verses 3 through 7, the main theme here is that we are in need of other believers to influence and encourage us to persevere in the faith and remind us of God's grace. Verses uh, 3 and 4 is what we'll look at uh, initially here in the heading I put over these verses, that we are to notice how Paul responded to his forced separation from his brother in Christ. We are to notice how Paul responded to his forced separation from his brother in Christ. Here, verses 3 and 4, he says, I thank God whom I serve, as did my ancestors, with a clear conscience, as I remember you, and he's writing to Timothy, so he says, as I remember you, Timothy, constantly in my prayers, night and day, as I remember your tears, I long to see you, that I may be filled with joy. This is a very personal letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to Timothy. Paul was most likely in prison in Rome when he wrote this. Uh, we we read in the letter that, that many of his fellow travelers, uh, his partners in the ministry, had deserted him, probably to, to save themselves. And this was during the, the great persecution of the Christian church by the Roman emperor Nero in the years of 64 to 67 AD. Uh, Paul would much rather be traveling to cities to preach the gospel. He'd much rather be seeking to plant churches he much rather be seeking to continue to build up the existing churches like the one in Ephesus where Timothy was serving. He would have loved to be with other believers, but instead, he is in prison in Rome, most likely awaiting his execution. Paul's forced to be separated from other believers, the people that he loved, like Timothy, who, as a young man, had joined Paul in his ministry. He did this during Paul's second missionary journey, but, but who Paul had probably known since his first missionary journey when he brought the gospel message to, to Timothy's hometown of Lystra. Paul was forced to, sep to be separated from him here, much like we have all been forced in one way or another to be separated from each other for the past eight weeks. So how did Paul respond to this? What did he do about it? Well, let's notice first an obvious thing that he, that he does. 
but it's so obvious that we could easily miss it. One of the main things he did was he wrote letters to the believers he missed and whom he was separated from. He wrote this letter to Timothy, whom he calls his beloved child in verse 2. Now, I know this should be a very obvious application here, but, but yet it's, it's still important for us to mention. When believers are forced to separate from each other, one, one great way to continue to, to seek to encourage one another and build one another up in the faith is by writing to each other, by sending notes, by sending cards, emails, even a simple text is a fairly easy way to maintain a connection and to encourage another believer. The Apostle Paul did this, so maybe we should consider it more as well when we are forced to be apart from each other. Now, the second way Paul responded to this forced separation that we are to notice is that he prayed consistently for Timothy. See that in verse 3? The second part of verse 3 says, I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. Now, Paul was a Christian, so that meant that Paul was a man of prayer. That's what a Christian does. Prior to his conversion as a Pharisee, he would have set aside regular times as a, uh, uh, to a pause throughout the day and to pray. And Paul probably kept up a similar practice as a follower of Christ, who's already ingrained in his uh, regular daily disciplines. And Paul um, says here, in those times of prayer, he would consistently bring his dear brother Timothy before God, asking God, to strengthen him for ministry, um, praying that, that Timothy's life would reflect the character of the Lord Jesus Christ, that, that, he would, that he would grow in the fruit of the Spirit, that he would have a sufficient courage and boldness to go about his ministry. This is what a faithful Christian friend does. And this had to be encouraging for Timothy to hear this. During the years while I was in college and, and then while I served as a youth ministry director in a church in Des Moines, whenever I would return to my home church for a Sunday, I would be sure to go and find Walt and Florence. Uh, in those years, uh, they were in their late 80s and early 90s. Uh, those two dear saints had watched me grow up in the church, and, and while I was in, in high school, Walt and I had gotten to know each other. When I went off to college, uh, he came up, up, up to me on a Sunday morning, and he and, and his wife Florence told me that they committed to pray every day for me. And so every time I came back home to church, they would greet me, and they would ask me how the Lord was working in my life. And again, they'd Remind me, we pray for you every day. Every day, we pray for you. Now, only God knows all the ways that their prayers helped me in those years, but I do know that their prayers are a big reason why I am here today, why I am here preaching this morning. Now, what also kept Paul going and what I'm sure encouraged Timothy was what he said in verse 4. 
Look at verse 4. He says, as I remember your tears, I long to see you that I may be filled with joy. The last time Paul had seen Timothy, when he left him, it was probably a very tearful farewell, as they often are between brothers in Christ. But he sought to encourage Timothy by, by sharing his, his great longing to be reunited with him, that this reunion would be something that would bring Paul great joy. As believers, we have experienced many farewells and reunions. For me, this is the third church that I have served as a minister. And when I left the past two churches that I served in, in, in Iowa, they were both very tearful goodbyes to those dear saints. I have good friends who serve as missionaries on the other side of the world who also grew up here in the, in the, in the, in the uh, Midwest and whenever they have to say goodbye to their families for another term overseas, those goodbyes are filled with tears and sadness. But yet, each reunion is a time of great rejoicing. So brothers and sisters, these are just preparing us for our ultimate goodbyes. When we will have to say goodbye one final time, to fellow believers who die in Christ. But because of the saving work of Christ on our behalf, we know that there will one day be a great reunion when we will see them again. We know that, that there will be much rejoicing and, and more joy on that day than we will ever have experienced here. So no matter how long of a separation we will have to endure here, that day is coming. No matter how long of a time we have to wait, that day will come. So keep longing for that day. There is an old hymn which was written as a, as a message from a believer who had died to those other believers that he had left behind. And one verse really stood out to me as I thought about this passage it goes like this. Why thus so sadly weeping, beloved ones of my heart? The Lord is good and gracious, though now he bids us part. Oft we have met in gladness, and we shall meet again. All sorrow left behind us. Good night, good night, till then. Next here in verse 5, we are to notice the influence that faithful mothers have on their children. Verse 5, we are to notice the influence that faithful mothers have on their children. Paul writes again, I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. At the beginning of Acts 16, that's where we are first introduced to Timothy in the Bible. And Luke tells us about Paul's second missionary journey there. Uh, he visited Lystra, and there Luke names Timothy, who was the son of a, of a Jewish woman who was a believer, 
but it says his father was Greek. This was the second time that Paul had visited Lystra. The first time was in Acts 14. So a church was founded following Paul's first visit to Lystra, where he had first proclaimed the gospel there. And now on a second visit, there are believers there in Lystra, and, and including Timothy and his mother. And here in this letter to Timothy, Paul also tells us that his mother wasn't the first to have faith, but it dwelled first in his grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. So what we are shown here is the influence that Timothy's mother and grandmother had over him. Now imagine Eunice coming in uh, to kiss her son goodnight and pray over him and sharing with him that the God whom had delivered her people from slavery in Egypt had come into the world as a man named Jesus. And he was crucified as a sacrifice for their sins. And he rose again from the dead. That he was alive. That this Jesus was Lord and was the fulfillment of all the promises that God had made to his people. And imagine, as Timothy was in his his teen years, how his grandmother would ask him if he had given his life over to the Lord Jesus. If he was truly following Jesus and and encouraging him to follow the Lord with, with all of his heart. Imagine Timothy observing his mother and grandmother's faith expressed day by day, both in and outside their home. It was an influence that that helped to lead him to faith in Christ, and and such a faith that it led Timothy to devoting his life to Christ's service in preaching and pastoring churches. Well, many of us could share a similar testimony to Timothy's. You had a mother and a grandmother who, who shared their love for the Lord openly with you. They had a great influence over you, and, and, and you, you would point to them for providing you with a great example of what it means to follow Jesus. Maybe your story even goes back further than your, than your mother or grandmother. Maybe it goes back to your, to your ancestors, even before your, your grandparents. That's what Paul mentions there in verse 3. He says, I thank God whom I serve, as did my ancestors. For me, I know for certain that if not for the faithful influence of my mother, I would probably not be a Christian today and certainly would not be a pastor. All the years I grew up, my mom was very involved in my spiritual development and in my understanding of the gospel. And not only me, but her involvement in teaching Sunday school and vacation Bible school and helping to lead our midweek children's ministry in our church encouraged many other children to follow Jesus as well. But the faith that dwells in me didn't dwell first in her, for it also dwelt in her mother, my grandma, who also raised her children in the same church that my mom raised me in. But again, the faith that she had was also passed down to her from her own parents who were also strong believers in Jesus and who raised their children in the same church that I was raised in as well. 
So it is amazing as I think about the many family members and relatives from my mother's side who are faithful disciples of Jesus Christ today. That kind of thing doesn't just happen. It comes out of the everyday, faithful ways parents live before their children. From disciplining them in the instruction of the Lord to to, to reading the Bible with their kids, to, to reading the Bible on their own regularly so that their children know how valuable God's word is, to, to their commitment to the local church, to, to whether or not their lives reveal faithful obedience to the Lord in the home and a dependence upon the gospel. John Stott, that uh, London preacher, evangelical, who wrote many helpful books and commentaries uh, uh, in the middle of last century, he said this, today anyone who has been born and bred in a Christian home has received from God a blessing beyond price. Acts, thir- Acts uh, 16 verse 3 tells us that Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him on his missionary journey. Then in Paul's letters to Timothy, we learn that he was serving as a pastor in the church of Ephesus, which was a major city with an influential church. Now, do you think Lois and Eunice ever dreamed that young Timothy, who was growing up under them, would have ever become one of the most famous pastors in the history of the church? Do you think they ever thought as they were praying for him through his teenage years that that their beloved son and grandson would one day accompany the great apostle Paul on his missionary journeys? That he would have two books of the New Testament named after him? Moms, grandmas, you just never know who your little ones, whom you are worrying about, and working so hard to raise, will grow up to become. In a sermon by uh, Edward Sullivan, who served as a pastor in Boston in the 1800s, he said this about a mother's influence. He said, the great events of this world are not battles and earthquakes and hurricanes. The great events of this world are babies. Oh, the secrets that lie all about us, hidden from our eyes. We glance at a tiny child and we do not see, we do not know what a thunderbolt of the Almighty is wrapped up in that little child. A humble mother who lived um, in uh, New Hampshire on on a New Hampshire farm once said, I've walked down the furrow in the field, I walked down the furrow with the governor of New Hampshire in my arms and the governor of Massachusetts clinging to my skirts. She said that afterwards, long afterwards in her old age, for she knew not then and no one knew that her two baby boys would grow up to be governors of two New England states. Moms and dads, grandmas and grandpas, and each of you who has an influence over young people here in this church and in the community, you never know just what the Lord is planning for these young people, what they will become. 
maybe a governor or a senator or a pastor or a missionary or maybe not. But we can be pretty sure that they will become wives and husbands, mothers and fathers, leaders in their local church and in their communities. Your influence will make a difference on them. And the more you are intentional about being very open about your faith, and the more sincere your faith is, the greater the influence for the Lord you will have on them. And if you are like me, that the faith that you have dwelt, that there, or the faith that you have dwelt first in your mom or another lady who, who loved you when you were growing up, then be sure to call them or write them today and thank them for the godly influence that she had on you. And next, verses six and seven, we are to notice our need for encouragement from other believers to rely on God's spirit for ministry. Again, verses six and seven, we are to, we are to notice our need for encouragement from other believers to rely on God's spirit for ministry. Here's verse six. For this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. So here Paul begins to get into the purpose for his letter to Timothy. It is a letter that he wrote to encourage his brother in Christ, to encourage him in his ministry, to strengthen him, to press on and to serve the Lord in the power of the Holy Spirit. Paul mentions here the gift of God that was in Timothy through the laying on of his hands, Paul's hands. This is probably referring to Timothy's commissioning or his ordination by Paul for the work of ministry. This gift probably refers to both the office that Paul's commissioning of him represents as well as the gift for ministry which Paul or which God had equipped him with for the work. Paul's encouraging him here to not be lazy, to not be complacent, but to fan his gift for ministry into flame. And then he encouraged him by reminding him that he can depend upon the Holy Spirit for the help that he will need for the difficult work of ministry. Paul's saying something important here for each of us to pay attention to and to apply to our own lives. We each have a tendency to either rely too much just on our natural abilities that we have in order to do spiritual work that God has given us to do, or we have a tendency to think that, well, we don't have to do much of anything at all. You know, God's will is going to get done no matter what, so therefore we can just wing it and don't push much or don't put much effort into it. Well, well both ways are wrong as we see here. Paul's saying, Timothy, you've been given a gift for ministry. You've received a calling, and you have God's Spirit in you. Therefore, Paul says, get to work. Discipline yourself, fan that gift into a flame, all the while trusting in and depending upon God, the Holy Spirit, to empower you for that work. 
And this is very similar to what Paul wrote in, in Philippians 2, 12, and 13, which was a fighter verse that we memorized a few weeks ago. He said there, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. We need to be, we need to be often reminded that we have a responsibility to do the work, to study our Bibles, to spend time praying for those we love and for the work of ministry. And we need to intentionally seek to make disciples of those that the Lord has given us influence over. We need to be responsible and discipline ourselves for that work. But all the while, we must rely not on ourselves, not on our own strength, not on our own wisdom, but on the Holy Spirit who has been given to us to empower us for the work of ministry. So when we have that phone call with a friend who doesn't follow the Lord, doesn't know Christ, we are to believe that the Holy Spirit is with us and that he will empower us to say what we need to say about their great need for repentance and faith in Jesus. Or when we you know, need to, to believe that the Holy Spirit is with us and will empower us to, to have that hard conversation with another believer who is making an unwise decision or who is disobeying the Lord. So while Paul was in prison, he was thinking of his partner in ministry. He was thinking of Pastor Timothy. And so he wrote him this letter. And he encourages him here, saying, Timothy, you have the Holy Spirit. God has gifted you for ministry. He has called you to this. Fear not. He will empower you in his work. So get to work. One scholar wrote, about this passage, he said, Indeed, every Christian worker engaged in however small a task requires assurance that God never commissions anyone to a task without imparting a special gift appropriate for it. His grace is truly sufficient. But the thing is, we often have to be reminded of this from other believers. We need each other. We need to be told these things. We need to be spurred on to love and good works by our fellow believers. Brother and sister, are you seeking to do this? Are you seeking to, to help and encourage one another to continue on in the faith, to obey the Lord? We, we need each other to help each other to press on and do the work of ministry that the Lord has called us to. In this time of social distancing, let us not distance ourselves from other believers. You may need to be, or you may need to, to physically keep yourselves from others at this time, but, but be sure to keep in communication with others. If you are going to press on in this high calling of making disciples of all peoples and building up the body of Christ together, then then we need the encouragement that only other believers can provide for us.
Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, thank you for the common faith that you have given us here in Stanton Evangelical Free Church. Thank you for the mothers, the grandmothers, the aunts, the dear ladies who have known you and who have been a faithful spiritual influence over us. Help us to seek to encourage each other in the faith in order to build one another up. And Lord, help us. Help us each to believe in the Holy Spirit, to believe that you dwell with us by your Spirit in order to do your work here. It's in the powerful name of Jesus Christ the Lord we pray. Amen. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy, to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen.